If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 128 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February 13th, 2022. All right, guys. So it's February 13th on the day that you're listening to this. I'm still releasing it here on Sunday, but as I said last week, if you remember, I'm recording this on Saturday, so I could have this out early on Sunday the 13th because of the big game at night, so (laughs) it's the 12th at the time I'm recording this, but the 13th, or later in the week perhaps, when you're actually listening to it. And here on the 12th, February 12th, I mean, my God, I just got to mention this really quick, how freaking gorgeous it is outside. (laughs) I've got my room window open as I'm recording this. It's 60 freaking degrees out in February. (laughs) That does not happen very often here in New York. So I've got to take advantage of that and keep the window open. This, I mean, 60 degrees in February here in New York. It's just, that's insane. So it's too nice out. Got to open it. So if you hear noises at any point in the background, just disregard. But guys, we are now a day or two away, a day or two away from when pitchers and catchers, major league pitchers and catchers, want to highlight that since everything minor leagues is starting on time, of course, since they're not a part of the major league players union. But anyways, we are on the cusp for when major league pitchers and catchers were supposed to report to camp. Like I said, this is usually the time where I start to go ballistic with excitement, but not the case this year as a CBA agreement has not been reached yet. We're also within about a week, give or take, of spring training being delayed at some capacity if a deal isn't reached in that time, so from now until about next week, give or take, and we're about three weeks away from when the regular season would be altered at some capacity, even if just a little. And that's based off all the speculated dates I gave you last week of what would happen and when it would happen if a new CBA isn't agreed to by those certain dates pertaining to spring training and the regular season. So tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Time marches forward as it always does, owners, Manfred, and even a little bit of the players, even though lots of you know who I side with mainly by now being the players. But as I've also said, I care far less about that and just care far more about getting my damn sport back. Getting a chunk of my damn heart back over here. I said it last week, you could get into the details as much as you want, and yeah, we kind of have to know them just so we know where things are at, but if you really want to get down to it, the fans don't care about the details truly. This is just crap that they have to iron out themselves. We just want the sport back. Oh, but Manfred on Thursday? After the owners convened, like I told you they would, on last weekend's episode from Tuesday to Thursday, he told the media, quote-unquote, the status of spring training is that there's no change right now, and that he's still confident a deal gets done in time so that the regular season can still be played as schedule, 
162 games starting on March 31st as planned. So no change, no announced change as of a couple of days ago to spring training. Although that could be subject to change, obviously, real soon, barring an absolute miracle. But he's confident about the regular season especially. Well, I got news for you, Rob. You said all of this within days of when pitchers and catchers were supposed to report to camp originally, just about a week or so from when spring training would have to be delayed at least a little bit, which even I said selfishly as a fan that I wouldn't hate since spring training is a bit long, but players, especially pitchers, need anywhere from three to four weeks, preferably four, to get ready. So you'd be interfering with that at least a little bit. And you're also saying this with the speculated date of March 3rd, give or take, That's when they would need an agreement by, give or take, before even the season could be at least a little delayed. So, you're also saying that with that date being three weeks away. So, you might want to pick up the pace there, Chief. Because as of now, to me, if I could rework your quote about there being no change to spring training from before, the status of you being a complete and utter tool is also that there's still no change. Now, there is another CBA meeting here today, finally. Again, lots of these meetings are like a week plus apart, with all these starting dates so close, still could use just a bit more urgency. But there is a meeting today in which Manfred claims we'll see the owners making a good faith proposal. (laughs) On top of having to wait this long for this proposal in the first place, after all the mediator crap. And who knows? Maybe we'll even get an update on these meetings while I'm recording, within the next 45 minutes to an hour, give or take, on what happened. So, if that happens, then I'll break in with it and let you know what happened. Obviously, by the time you're listening to this, you'll have known what happened, but hey, I'm going on real time here, so. (laughs) Now, you may have been asking for some weeks now, as basically all of us have, amongst all the reports of how far apart the two sides are on nearly everything, Are there any positives whatsoever? Do they agree on even one issue, (laughs) whether it be minor or major? Well, I'll tell you this much from what Manfred revealed on Thursday to the media as well. He did say at least that they agreed to a draft lottery, which is intended to help with certain teams not competing to actually, you know, compete. (laughs) And they did agree to the universal DH, which we've spoken about forever now and did expect it to happen, at least I did. So, no surprise there. I myself have said time and time again that I think it's more than time for the Universal DH to be used. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it's, you know, rest in peace to strategy in baseball as if there's no other points of strategy in the entire sport. But anyways, discussion for another day. But the point is, it's more than time that that's used, and I don't think anybody should be surprised that it is being used. And also, Manfred announced that they agreed to elimination of draft pick compensation. So the answer to your question is, yeah, there are some agreements, apparently. But as we've hit on, so many other core key economic issues, there are still so many of them to agree upon, and they are still far apart heading into today's meeting. Things like arbitration, service time, just really a lot of the stuff having to do with what'll happen to young players on their way to free agency and how long they have to wait until free agency so that they can make their money. And how about what the minimum salary is going to be for young players? That's another huge issue. And it also has to do with the difference in what each side wants as far as the luxury tax threshold is concerned 
and that'll also dictate a lot of what certain teams will do when the lockout is over, like the Yankees and so many others that need to make moves before the season gets underway. And the new CBA will be a big indicator of what they will and probably will not be willing to do. We've spoken all about this already with a bunch of different areas when it comes to the Yankees. But yeah, so a lot of those key core economic issues that are still yet to be agreed upon and even be remotely close, the two sides. So it's it's just a mess, guys. And you hope that they could at least take a step in the right direction today. I, I doubt we're going to get a deal done today. I really, really doubt it. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. But hopefully there can be a step in the right direction because we're getting close now. It's basically the middle of February at this point. You got to get it going. I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired of saying the same thing over and over again. I really am. Everybody is. We just want the damn sport back. But in the meantime, other than those updates I just gave you, since there haven't been any meetings between now and the last time we spoke last Sunday, like I said, no urgency. The meetings are just so far apart. When in theory, especially now, with things getting so close, they should probably be meeting every single freaking day. And yes, I know, each side needs to take time to read the other's proposal, gather their thoughts, make a counterproposal, so maybe a few days have to pass, but you don't have to wait a damn week plus. We should be getting after this thing. Like we've been saying throughout this whole damn thing, pick up the pace! But since there were no meetings since last Sunday when we last spoke, there's really nothing else to talk about. Other than the fact that the league came out saying that they are unwilling to pay minor leaguers during spring training, when the league has all the money that they do, just another fine example of the league's disgusting greed, can't afford to dish out some money to the kids during spring training just for a few weeks. God forbid they take care of the youth in their sport. Even if they aren't a part of the union, it's just a few weeks dishing out a little bit of money to the young kids who are looking to make the big someday. And even if they never end up doing so, hey, guess what? You're just giving out a little bit of money, which, for Major League Baseball, the amount of money they rake in in profits should just be like pennies to them. And it's not like you're just giving it out for nothing. These are kids who are showing up to camp, have the privilege to be there, yes, but they're still going to camp and working hard. So just do the half-decent thing and take care of your own kind. But... Regardless, everything is status quo until we get an update on today's meeting between the two sides. So we'll see what happens. But like I said earlier, if anything comes out while I'm recording here about today's meeting, and I know by the time you guys are listening to this show, you'll have already heard about it, but I'm recording in live time here on Saturday. So I'll be sure to give out all the info right here on the show as it's made available. Chop, chop, guys. Everything's only creeping closer and closer. Urgency. Results. Let's see them. And by the way, the owners in Manford can also do me and everybody else a solid favor. I just have to say this, and it's a favor that I've already asked for countless times. But please stop pretending like you guys actually give a single solitary crap about the fans or anybody else other than yourselves and that you're hoping a deal gets done in time for the fans. It's insulting to us. We know the deal, all right? Stop. Just cut it out. One of the few beautiful things in life in general, and one of the great things about being a baseball fan, is that we are all unified in our disdain and disgust towards Rob Manfred. 
I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. I mean, really, think about it for a second. How many issues in the world do you see literally everyone on the same page with? Everyone. Think of that. How many issues do you see that happen with? How many subjects do you see that happen with? Whether it has to do with an event in time or a person, anything. Almost none. Yet with Manfred, everyone (laughs) feels the same way. So please, we all know the deal. Stop pretending like you care. But it's remarkable. It really is. Just when you think about it. How many issues in the world do you see everybody totally united on? All human beings united on. Rob Manfred is one of the very, very few. But anyway, I think that's enough ranting about that. That's your update. Your weekly pain in the ass CBA update. There's a meeting going on today. There's a couple of things that came out during the week, including the league being unwilling to pay minor league players for spring training. But other than that, until we get an update on today's meeting, there's really not much else to talk about because there was not even one meeting between the two sides in the last week since we've spoken. Only that the owners and the players themselves also convened and that their next meeting is today should be going on right about now. It's not long after noon at the time that I'm taping. So... We'll see. (laughs) But let's get to the show itself today. You might also remember from last weekend's episode, if you heard the episode last Sunday, that because of the big game being this weekend, (laughs) people's attention is generally elsewhere. I understand that. I'm not dumb. (laughs) I even watch it myself, obviously. But I know people's attention is generally elsewhere. And also, considering the obvious, nothing is continuing to happen in the baseball world because of the lockout, I figured I'd make this more of a uh, soft piece episode, if you will, of Yapping Yankees. Shorter, simple, more fun. Since we've hit on everything there is to hit on about the Yankees this offseason and what they could, should do, and considering... Just a few hours after I upload this, basically everybody's attention around the entire country is going to be elsewhere. I figured I'd do this sort of an episode this weekend. Shorter, fun, softer. So the theme that I picked for this episode is a stroll down memory lane. So that ought to be a good time. And I can tell you right now that as far as the social media segment, which is of course where this theme took place, this stroll down memory lane, our main discussion for today, it was very popular with fans. (laughs) So... I'm looking forward to getting to that. First, though, really quick, I just want to bring our attention to a serious topic, just for a second. There was Yankees news from this past week, but nothing to do with the current team or anyone on it or anything having to do with anything right now. Just really sad news that I have to mention. Just wanted to give condolences to these players' families and mention that Gerald Williams who spent seven years of his career on the Yankees, including a part of the 96 championship team, that championship year, before he spent the back end of the season with Milwaukee, followed by a return to the Yanks during the 2001 season as well as the 2002 season, 14 years as a whole in the big leagues, and again, seven of them with the Yanks, was only 55 years old, you may remember him, and he just passed away this past week, on Tuesday the 8th, after a battle with cancer. 
And he was a dear friend to Derek Jeter. He was like a brother to him. Apparently looked out for Derek a lot when he was a rookie and played a big part in the start of his career, his development. And um, it's just terrible. It really is. It's just awful. Screw cancer. I want to say the other word, but yeah, I don't really go that way on Yapping Yankees, but screw cancer, man. Such a horrible disease. It really, really is. I, I The very thought of it gets me aggravated. I have a history of it in my family, and so many people die so horribly from it all the time. All the time. It's one of the world's deadliest diseases, of course, and it's just horrible. And he was a young man. Only 55. It's just tragic. So, really, the most heartfelt of condolences to Gerald's family, and may he rest in peace. And this news, it really hit the Yankees community hard this past week. It really, really did. And I wish I could tell you it ended there, but Jeremy Giambi, an even younger man, just 47 years old, played in the major leagues from 1998 through to 2003, younger brother to Jason Giambi, who we all know, of course, also passed away this past week. The next day, on Wednesday the 9th. I just can't imagine the pain that Jason, as well as the rest of the Giambi family, must be going through. It's just a really difficult, harsh week, losing a couple of young men like that. So, I just wanted to take a second to offer condolences to both the Williams family and the Giambi family. It's just really, really sad. Tough, tough week. And Jeremy may not have been a Yankee like Gerald was, but, I mean, at the same time, the news, they were right next to each other as far as days and especially with how young they both were, just extremely tragic in both cases. And I really just wanted to give both stories the attention that they deserve on today's episode because both stories are just really sad. A couple of young men passing away like that. So again, rest in peace to Gerald Williams and rest in peace, Jeremy Giambi. All right, let's brighten things up a little bit, huh? Why don't you join me, my friends? on our stroll down memory lane for this week's social media segment. And this week was a question for the tweeters and Instagrammers out there. Real quick though, guys, really fast reminder, do not forget to follow me on all social medias, Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY, Twitter at Mike Scudero, and Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. Please subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on as well. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below in the video if you're listening on YouTube. If you're listening anywhere else on the other three platforms, leave a review and show that love that I am so grateful to each and every one of you for, for always showing week in and week out. It would mean the world to me. Thanks, guys. But I've got my social media question for you this week for our stroll down memory lane. And my question to you was looking back, what is your personal favorite Yankees memory that you witnessed? Whether you were at the game or not, even if you just saw it on TV, what is your favorite Yankees memory that you were alive to witness? Now, I personally always love questions like this, and it seemed pretty popular amongst all of my Twitter followers, all my Instagram followers, just amongst the fans of the show. It really did, because this got 
an unbelievable amount of interaction on social media. I mean, I usually get good interaction each week, but this was just on steroids. I mean, it was just crazy. <laughs> so I guess a lot of people like to reflect upon the past, especially when you think about nowadays, present day, not too much to be happy about. So oh, hold on a second. I'm going to close the window. One second. <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot of noise out there, like here and there. And plus my family room TV is on. Oh my God, so much going on. Hang on one second. I did this another time in the podcast too, where I just obnoxiously closed the window in the middle of recording and I didn't even edit it out because, you know, why not? Just who cares? So. Ah, there we go. All right. Where the hell was I? <laughs> okay. Favorite Yankee memory. God, there's so much to choose from. Now, it has to be something you witnessed in your time as a baseball fan. Me, personally, I became a fan at, like towards the middle or the end, more towards the end of 2007. I was 10 years old. That was when I became a baseball fan, as a lot of you know. Big story as to how I felt about sports before I got into them, how I got into them, when I got into them, and the rest is history. So for about 14 or 15 years now, I've been a Yankee fan. A lot has happened in that time. I can't even imagine what it's like to be in the shoes of people who have been fans for 40, 50 plus years, maybe even more than that. But even in the last 15 years, give or take, since I became a Yankee fan, and just a lover of baseball overall, too. I just love the sport as a whole. But in that time, a lot has happened. But a few pop into my head before much of anything else. Just my first Yankee game in 2007, laying my eyes on the old Yankee Stadium and inside the stadium as well for the first time. It absolutely took my breath away. I loved the old stadium. I just was speechless when I looked at it for the first time, and it's really what played a massive part, basically the whole part in me becoming a Yankee fan in general, and then the next thing, which made me become an extreme diehard, I was watching every single day still, but I really didn't explode for real into a psychotic Yankee fan, the one that I am today, until they won in 2009. So there's that, winning the World Series in 09. That was such a special time, and when I look back upon that, I mean, it almost makes me emotional just thinking about that night, Game 6 in 2009, in November, Yankees-Phillies, the Yankees winning, first time I witnessed a championship that I could actually see, comprehend, and enjoy, because I was alive for 98, 99, and 2000, but I was only 1, 2, and 3 years old, so, because I was born in January 97, so... I was one going on two. I was going to be two a couple of months from when they won the 98 championship. I was just about to turn three for the 99 championship. And then in 2000, I was going to turn four in a couple of months from when they won that year as well. So one, two, and three. And then, of course, they didn't win until 2009, which I fully experienced. I was a fan for a couple of years already by then. Experienced, witnessed, enjoyed to no end whatsoever. Just a magical, magical time and night. And then I continued down the list. I mean, there are just so many. Another massive one for me, of course, is Jeter's 3,000th hit. I was actually at the game when A-Rod hit his 3,000th hit for the home run. Oh, that's right. How about Raul Labanez's two home runs, big home runs in the playoffs in 2012? I was going nuts for those. I mean, that, that was, oh my God in heaven. <laughs> How many times I woke my family up when it was late at night for those. They wanted to kill me with that, but I didn't care. I was having a blast. Those home runs by Ibanez. Oh my goodness. Great memories there. I mean, you could just keep running down the list. Aaron Boone's 2003 home run. I didn't really witness that happen, even though I was six years old, but I wasn't a fan yet. 
but in the decade of the 2000s as well, from 2000 to 2010, there was that home run. Just so many things. The last game at the old stadium, I wasn't there, but I was watching it in late 2008. Oh my goodness, just so many of them. So, so many. Corey Kluber's no-hitter last year. There were a couple of great moments that came out of last year, too, even though the vast majority of present-day Yankees baseball is not fun to look back upon. But you have Corey Kluber's no-hitter, which was the first time for anything, no-hitter or perfect game-wise for the Yankees since David Cohn's perfect game back in 99. So you have that. You have the triple plays from last year. There's so many memories, but if I had to pick one... It's got to be what it's all about, winning a World Series. I've got to pick them winning the 9 championship. That was just easily one of the greatest nights of my entire life. And in a lot of ways, it really changed my life. I, I just look back on that with such happiness and such a big smile. on my. I'm just literally smiling as I'm talking right now like a dope. <laughs> so It's got to be the 9 championship. So many of those other memories that I ran down really quick and... So many others that while I'm just rambling on here are probably flying right over my head. Maybe I'll be reminded of some of them when I read your comments. But, I mean, of all of those, it's got to be the 9 championship for me. And God only knows that each and every one of us eagerly awaits the next time they win a championship. Because not only have they not won since 2009, they haven't even won a pennant since 2009. <laughs> so, they haven't even made it out of the American League. Let's not even go there. Before we know it, I'll be spending the rest of the episode blowing a gasket about that and not even get to as many replies. So <laughs> so that's my favorite memory of all of them, running down all of them in my time as a fan. Let's hear what you guys had to say. And again, there were just an ungodly amount of replies, even more so than usual already. So I'll try to get to as many of you as possible, of course, but we're talking about hundreds of people <laughs> interacting with this. And I, again... Usually the interaction is great every single week on Yapping Yankees. I'm blessed to have such great fans and listeners and so on and so forth. But this week was just even on another level. So let's get to these replies. Let's start on Twitter. Favorite Yankee memories. Let's see what everybody has to say. First up, we've got Derek at Deflex2123. And he says, Doc Gooden's no-hitter. My friend and I attended the snow opening day. Wow, so 96. That's awesome. They gave us a choice of three games. I chose the Mariners. A free game and good and no hit them. I still have the scorecard and pencil, my favorite pitcher as a kid. It was amazing. Fans tossed socks on the field. Wow, you still have the scorecard and pencil even. Wow. No, that's a great memory, and you should have those. That's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> I already have a, I have a feeling that I'm going to have a great time going through these replies. At Yankee Ken says... Yankees winning the World Series in 1996. They were massive underdogs going up against that Braves pitching staff. Was the very first Yankees World Series I got to see, and they came through in a big way. Yeah, they were massive underdogs against that pitching. So many great names there. The Jimmy Leyritz home run, too, of course. First World Series victory since 78. Yeah, just so many, so many things. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that must have been awesome to witness that just a couple of months before I was born. Oh, just awesome. But yeah, that Braves pitching, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, oh, just run down the list. So, so intense. So many great pitchers, just back to back to back. So many iconic arms to have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an iconic year in 96 for sure. 
Rob at Laker 477 says Aaron Boone's 2003 ALCS walk-off home run. Yeah, I mentioned that before. For those who were old enough to comprehend that or were baseball fans, again, I probably would have been old enough to comprehend that because I was six going on seven at the time, but I wasn't a Yankee fan yet. So that must have been awesome. At Savage Empire Pod says 2001 Game 5. Paul O'Neill chant right before the Brocious home run. Electric. The stadium shook. Yeah, the 2001 World Series. Oh my goodness. That, that was just a World Series in a league of its own. And I always fantasize about how amazing it would have been for not only just New York, of course, but the country overall, especially given what happened that year of obviously 9-11. But especially for New York. How, how, what would it have been like if the Yankees won? Oh, my God. It's just, my imagination just roams a lot when I get to thinking about that. Like even, oh, would I trade another championship they took for that one? It'd be tough not to. So, yeah, but I, I totally hear you. At Papa underscore Cole 45 says, Raul Labanius's two home runs in game three of the 2012 ALDS. My dad surprised me with tickets to the game, and we ended up staying for the entire game, and it was incredible. I'm so glad somebody brought those up. <laughs> I mentioned it before because those are definitely a couple of iconic memories for me. And like I said, I went ballistic for those. I cannot imagine actually being at the game for that. You, you must have almost taken a heart attack on the spot. <laughs> My God. Those home runs were amazing against the Orioles. And I, I think he even had, had a home run or two in the ALCS, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it didn't stop just in the ALDS against Baltimore. I know he had the two in, in the ALDS. I know that for a fact against the Orioles, like you said. I'm pretty sure he had one in the ALCS against the Tigers. Hold on, let me look real quick. I, I just gotta, I gotta find this out because it's going to drive me nuts if I don't see it for sure. Raul Ibanez, 2012 AL, let me see, ALCS home run. Yeah, he did. Yeah, in Game 1, that's right. He tied it against Valverde. That's right. Yep, I knew it was against the Tigers. Game 1, yep. J just that entire postseason. I mean, the two one, the two home runs against the Orioles, and then the home run in Game 1 of this series in the ALCS, the next round against the Tigers. I remember it. I remember it. God, I went insane. I, I can't imagine being at any one of those games. Good Lord. At Zach Wood Design says... Saw Jeter's second-to-last home game against the Orioles, and also saw CeCe's last game as a Yankee in Texas. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's just great. Yeah, that those are other memories. I said Jeter's 3,000th hit. Well, what about the last few games he played, or the very last game? That last game in Fenway Park, how amazing it was, the send-off that he got from the Red Sox fans. Or that last game at Yankee Stadium, the walk-off that he hit against the Orioles. Just awesome. Awesome, awesome memories. It's just great stuff to look back on. My friend James at RebirthChaos09 says, For me, it was my first Yankee game I went to in 1998. Means a lot to me because I went with my dad. They played the A's, they won that game, and it meant so much to me, and to this day, I miss him. Uh, that's, that's very, very, it's very, it's a very emotional thing, James. That's awesome. Yeah, always hold on to those memories. Always. At Andrew Caruso 77 says, Haven't witnessed too many great moments at games, but one memory that'll always stick out to me was being able to witness Aaron Judge's first career Grand Slam live against the A's on May 28th of 2017. I remember going crazy while sitting in the outfield, and it's something I will never forget. 
Well, yeah, a lot of younger fans who have only been fans for maybe a few years now, hopefully you still have some memories to look back on. And that's awesome that you could look back on that. I definitely remember a great memory of mine, too, when it comes to seeing one live at a game, witnessing it live, was in 2017 as well with Judge. I was at the game that he hit the 495-foot home run into left center field, almost hitting the retired numbers on the board way back even past the bleachers. <laughs> I was sitting behind home plate that day, and I remember when the, the sound of the ball off his bat, just, oh my god. They must have heard it in Queens. And then... I just remember seeing the trajectory of the ball. I was like, is this thing ever going to land? And when it did land, where it landed, I I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, that's got to be like 470, 480 feet. And they gave the official measurement of 495. I was like, holy crap. I just witnessed in person Aaron Judge, but even just a Yankee in general, hitting a home run nearly 500 freaking feet. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. So... Yeah, I shared that experience too with an Aaron Judge moment in 2017 in person. At KRang44 says, Chris Chambliss against the Royals. Him running through the crowd and pancaking people. <laughs> yeah, that's those memories are great. Him doing that, Reggie doing that. Ugh. Yeah, that the Chris Chambliss home run, of course. If you were alive to see that, just an iconic moment in Yankees history. Ugh. It's, it's so fun. It's so fun hearing from the fans who got to witness things like 40 plus years ago. That must have been so great. I only wish I could have seen Mantle, even the Chambliss moment, or DiMaggio, or Yogi, or Gehrig, or Babe. I know I'm going back really far, but (laughs) I'm just saying. I wish I could have just jumped into a time machine, or still jump into a time machine, and just witness moments from before I was born in general, whether it be 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Just, oh my god. I almost get emotional thinking about it. That's how much I love the Yankees and love baseball. So, just to give you an idea. All right, let's see who's up next. Next, we've got at J Gisa LL Horse RA1. Wow. <laughs> and they say, first game back after 9-11. President Bush throwing out the first pitch. The big ballpark was shaking. Yeah, that that's, that is an iconic moment. Yep. Absolutely. At Yankee Girl 049 says, I was at the 76 playoff game when Chambliss hit his home run. I was 10 years old, and that's the night I went from fan to fanatic. A moment like that will do that to you. For sure. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's really cool. Spencer at Musician DMD says, Aside from the euphoria of winning the title, I feel like I was a part of history. Millions of fans were joyous at the New York Yankees' 27th title, but only 50,000 were actually there, and I was one of them. Amidst the screaming and jumping and celebrating, I called my parents and held the phone to let them hear something they never heard before. This is the sound of the Yankees winning the World Series. I genuinely wish you and all my fellow Yankees fans get to experience that someday. It's an out-of-body-like experience. Well, I did witness the 09 World Series. I I was alive for, again, I was alive for 98, 99, 2000. I was far too young, though, not a baseball fan. But I witnessed, experienced, and very much enjoyed number 27 in 2009. Now, I wasn't there. I didn't attend the games or any games uh, in the 2009 World Series. To be there for it. To be there for a World Series, yeah, that that is something that I've never done. I've never attended a World Series game, let alone a Yankees World Series game. 
including 2009. I've never been to a World Series game myself live in person at the stadium. So that, that must have been, yeah, that's on another level. <laughs> I was going ballistic in my, in my family room watching it with my family and everything. That's what I know. But yeah, to be there for it, yeah, that's got to be an out-of-body-like experience, Spencer. I can only imagine. I, I, I probably would have just... I probably would have just fainted, <laughs> to be really honest with you. At Elk Production 7 says, I witnessed Judge break the rookie home run record. Number 49 landed in the section next to me. Then number 50 was a moonshot to left. That game was a rain makeup from May, so I'm very lucky it got postponed till September so I and everyone else in attendance could witness history. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very fortunate. Yeah, the fact that it was a makeup game. That's right. I remember that. 49 and 50 that year being in the same game. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. And the fact that it was a rain makeup and because of that you got to witness it. Holy crap. That stuff is awesome. That that's just that's just destiny. That's just fate lining up, the planets lining up. That's awesome. At Joe I6 says I saw Mattingly hit his sixth Grand Slam of the season against Bruce Hurst in a meaningless September game versus the Sox. Well, yeah, that wasn't that the year? Yeah, Mattingly broke the single-season Grand Slam record, yeah. Listen, it, was, it may have been a meaningless game, but yeah, that was that was incredible. That must have been incredible to watch. Tina at Mountain Gal 456. My friend Tina says, I saw the Yankees win the 1977 World Series. Now, I didn't attend the game, but I did attend the ticker tape parade and got to see so many great players on that team. I'll never forget it. That must be awesome. I mean, the next time the Yankees win the World Series, whenever the hell that may be, I'm definitely going to make it an effort to go to the parade because I didn't go to the 9 one. So, oh my God, that must have been so cool. At Luz Steph says, I was at Dave Rigetti's no-hitter, July 4th, 1983. That's awesome to attend a no hitter. That's great. At Peace Now for Life, my friend Rebecca says My first Yankee game was in 1996. Yankees versus the Royals, and Daryl Strawberry hit his 300th career home run, and it was a walk off win. Great first time at the stadium. Yeah, it's an awesome first game. <laughs> I would have loved for that to be my first game. At Rock and Roll Pastor says, Watching Andy Pettit pitch the 1996 opener in the snow with my friends. My first time ever in a box seat. It was awesome. Yeah, to have been at that snow opener in 96, I, I cannot imagine how crazy that must have been to watch a baseball game live in person at the stadium through that much snow. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I can't imagine that. At C. Nev Yankee says, I was at David Cohn's perfect game in 99. Pure magic. Always kept score at games I've been at in person. I still can't believe I was filling out one that was 27 up and 27 down. Yeah, filling out a scorecard for a perfect game, that must have been really cool. Wow. Yeah, that, that's an awesome memory, man. Awesome. At Hossig Rich says, I'd pick Cincinnati sweeping them in the 1996 World Series. <laughs> Eh, you're so funny. But, yeah, listen, that was, a, that was a tough era. Of course, the Yankees came back the next two years and won, so ha-ha. But, yeah, the big red machine back in the 70s, that was a pretty unstoppable group. Rose, Bench, Morgan, all those guys. But, yeah, they, they took care of the Yankees in that decade until the Yankees 
made their resurgence in the late 70s for 77 and 78. But yeah, the, the big red machine. At this, Paul says, Mattingly home run, 95 ALDS, game six in 96, Scott Brosh's home run in game five, 2001, and Aaron Boone's 2003 ALCS game seven home run. I've been blessed. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to pick one memory, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that those are those are some pretty iconic moments for sure. At Yanks nineteen sixty two says not a regular or playoff game, but old timers day. Whitey Ford grooved one for the Mick who took him deep. That was a great moment. I, I can't imagine seeing that. That that was that must have been amazing seeing Whitey Ford in the Mick. Oh my goodness. Wait, now that you mention Old Timers Day, I I actually have an awesome Old Timers Day moment. Holy crap, how could I not remember this? It was, I don't even remember exactly how many years ago. It might have been in 18 or 19, but I went to that Old Timers Day, and that was the one that Hideki Matsui hit a home run off David Cohn, and Matsui was one of, it's he's one of my many Yankee heroes, but my main one from 2009, which as I just said before, if you remember, and I've said many times through the years, was just a highly emotional time for me. 2009 just meant so much to me. And considering how big a part Matsui played in that championship, Matsui was just a massive hero to me. And to be at that old-timers day and watch him hit a home run in person, it was just like my brain just could not handle it. <laughs> it was blasting back to the past, just all kinds of feelings of nostalgia and emotion. Oh my God, it was intense. So I guess that's sort of like a modern-day translation edition memory of what you experienced with Whitey Ford and Mickey Mantle. Uh, yeah, that... I, I could not believe my eyes when Matsui actually hit a home run. It was just too much for me to handle. But, yeah, you saying that just literally triggered that memory in my mind. Yeah, now that I think about it, I'm just trying to remember when it happened. I said 18 or 19. I'm actually thinking it might be longer than that. Because especially with the virus, guys, just these last, like... I don't know, five to ten years, so many of the moments have just meshed together because of how time has worked and the things that have happened in that time. But, yeah, I'm thinking it might actually be like 17. It might actually be like 2017. I gotta look. I'm just looking it up now because I, I have to see. Matsui, old-timers day home run. Oh, it was 2016. Well, even longer. <laughs> I originally said 18 or 19. Now, I, and then I, I got a feeling it was sooner than that. I, I thought it was 17. That's my bad. So it was 2016. So, my God. I know you must be saying, oh, did it mean that much to you if you can't even remember the year? <laughs> you got to understand something. The last five to ten years, like I said, with everything that's happened, a lot of moments and periods of time just sort of mesh together, and I just forget specifically which year it is. I usually miss it by a year or two. 2016, that's right. Now, yeah, now I definitely remember that. It was during the year when the Yankees didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, now I remember that. But yeah, that moment, as far as old-timers day, it just triggered that memory in my mind, and that was just iconic. For It was an iconic moment. All right, let's keep going, because I want to get to a ton of you, as many as I can. At Will Cedar says, Chris Chambliss walk-off. I'm still looking for myself in the field every time I see a replay. You were one of the guys that ran on the field? Holy crap. <laughs> That's something else I can't imagine, doing that back in the day. Oh, my goodness. At Donnie Reich says, In 1998, I took my then-three-year-old son to his first game at the stadium, and we saw Wells pitch a perfect game. At his first game, you just happen to take him to, and David Wells pitches his perfect game. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, these are just things that are incredible. 
Like I said before, that that's just destiny. That really is. That is destiny. At Robert K081354 says, saw Billy's return at Old Timers Day, July 78. That's good. Awesome. At D Cass says, Boone's home run was special, as was Jeter's 3000th, Tino's World Series Grand Slam, and the Paul O'Neill game. But the loudest I ever heard that stadium was David Justice's home run to put us in the Subway Series. The upper deck was close to collapsing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Another great moment. David Justice. I'm surprised nobody else has mentioned that so far. I mean, maybe people haven't. I just haven't gotten to them yet. But yeah, wow. Yeah, that was another iconic moment. (laughs) The upper deck. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. The only time I actually ever witnessed Yankee Stadium legit shaking in my time as a fan was... In the 2017 playoffs, I was at Game 5 against the Astros, and that that night, the stadium was shaken. The stadium was shaking. And the fact that that's nearly five years ago, as of the end of this year, is just crazy to me. It feels like yesterday. Iconic game. Masahiro Tanaka was pitching that night. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was just shaking. Chaotic. It's awesome when an arena or a stadium, regardless of what sporting event you're at, just when it shakes, your emotions are running so high, you can't even hear or feel yourself think. <laughs> it, it's just, it's a top five feeling in the entire world. <laughs> At Tyler DP15 says, Raul Labanez ALDS 2012. Yep. Those Abanez home runs, those will, those will live in my memory forever. This may be crazy. At NYGirl1002 says, Since I'm a senior citizen, I've seen many amazing Yankee plays. I do love, however, when Bucky Dent hit that home run against the Red Sox in 1978, the one-game playoff. I was present for Don Mattingly's home run in the 1995 playoff game against Seattle. The cheering was amazing. Yeah, the Bucky Dent home run, too. I mean, geez. (laughs) Maybe another thing I just haven't gotten to as far as replies with many people mentioning that, but this is the first mention of that one. Absolutely. I can't imagine the excitement with that one. Of of course, I've seen the film of it countless times, and I've heard stories, but just thinking about it, I I can't imagine actually being alive to witness that. And Mattingly's home run, too. I I wish I got to witness the Mattingly memories, too. At D. Sistaro says, My dad took me to Game 3 of the 1978 World Series at the stadium. Nettles made all those great plays at third. Great memory. Yeah, Nettles was just on another level. Next level third baseman. Next we have at Noreen1836, and she says, The Yankees opened the season in Toronto in 2003, so we went up for the series to watch Matsui's debut. Everyone was having a lovely time until Jeter slid into third. He didn't move for several minutes, and soon an ambulance was on the field. So many people were crying. Oh yeah, that's a negative memory. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, that's a rough memory. Yeah, for sure. At T. Gren, 1964 says, Joe Girardi's triple in the 96 World Series. The building was shaking. Seeing the Yankees win it all that night was my favorite moment. Yeah, the 96 World Series, just a couple of months before I was born, like I said earlier, I wish I was, well, alive, and even old enough to experience and enjoy that. That that was an incredible season for the Yankees, just truly incredible. And, of course, followed by 98, especially 99 and 2000 as well. (sighs) The Yankees have a great history, if nothing else, that's for sure. And I know a lot of Yankee fans often get ragged on for mentioning that, but you know what? 
The history's there. All you could do is acknowledge it and enjoy it. And when it comes to opposing fans these days, it seems like a lot of opposing fans do much more mentioning of the past than Yankee fans actually do now because I, for one, I can't speak for other Yankee fans, but I never throw the past in people's faces. I love to look back on it and talk about it, but in a modern-day argument or debate, I think it's just foolish to bring such a thing up. I know countless Yankee fans who feel the same way, but you know what? Just in a conversation, a stroll down memory lane, it's plenty appropriate, and I just love looking back on it. Just an iconic history. There are just a dumb amount of you still left, but I'll just read a few more because we're almost... Yeah, we're almost 50 minutes in here. Yeah, I'll read a few more. There are just so many, guys. I'm sorry. A lot of you. Uh, The vast majority of you I'm not getting to, but I'm doing my best here. At MBW1024 says, So many. But I think I have to go with the ending of Jeter's last game. Just surreal. Even thinking back on it, it still feels like it all happened in slow motion. Yeah, a lot of iconic moments feel that way in our minds because that's it's just too much to really even comprehend. So the brain has a weird way of remembering it and replaying it, <laughs> per se. But, yeah, that that was an awesome memory as well, for sure. At DJE Turg 19 says, 2001, Game 3, ALDS with Jeter making the flip play. Still have my ticket somewhere. Oh, of course, the iconic flip play. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That is just... If I witnessed that flip play for myself when it happened in live time, I, th- I think I would have just taken a stroke. <laughs> At 65 Lab Girl says, Of course for me, when Bucky Dent hit his dinger over the green monster. I had just moved from Brooklyn to a small town in Massachusetts. I was 13 and miserable, but that game gave me so much joy. You had just moved to Massachusetts and that happened. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, I, I love reading replies like this. This this is so much fun to me. I hope it's fun for you, but it's it's really fun for me. At Esquaris141 says, Charlie Hayes' final catch to win the World Series in 96 and start the run. Yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. When he, when he just makes a catch and then jumps up and down and there's mayhem. Oh, God. Gives me chills thinking about it. It was a couple of months before I was even born. <laughs> At B2B, Seth says, on TV, the Jeter flip, and Andy and Jeet coming out to take Mo out for the last time. In person, Jeter's first Grand Slam versus the Cubs. Yeah, that that is a moment. Pettit and Jeter coming out to take Mariano out. Yeah, oh my goodness. Mariano's last game. So many countless saves in Mariano's career, definitely. Some more great moments. Absolutely. At DGrant76 says... Jeter's final game at Yankee Stadium. Even my diehard Braves fan dad was rooting for him. That last at-bat was magical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can't write that better. You just can't. There are certain moments in life that just feel scripted, and that definitely was one of them, but it was just such an iconic moment for sure. Oh, hold on. I gotta put a pause on this for a second. I just got an update on my phone. Oh, boy. So the CBA meeting is over between the two sides. Let me see if I can try to get more info on this. The meeting ended in less than an hour. Great. That's always a great sign. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, here's, here's, here are some tweets from Evan Drellich. I believe that's how you say his last name. Evan, if I mispronounce that, I apologize. But he says, 
The meeting has ended. The union officials are underwhelmed. The players' union. What a shocker. MLB made a large proposal, compiling some previous ones on economics and otherwise. Pre-arbitration bonus pool went up $5 million to $15 million. That's it? They just budged $5 million? And the players' union was at 100 so they're still $85 million apart? Oh, God help me. Slight increases to CBT thresholds, no changes to CBT tax rates. Awesome. Just love to hear that. As part of MLB's CBT proposal, thresholds go to $214 million, $214 million, $216, to $18,222. And the previous was $214, $214, $214, $216, $220. So a slight budge on that, I guess. This is... This is ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm getting mad. I'm not even in the slightest surprise. So, I I mean, I guess this is a a hair of progress. I I don't know what to say anymore. All I know is that the day that I'm putting this episode out, it's February 13th, and this meeting seems to have made little to no progress, just like the others off the bat here. This is the just early numbers I'm seeing. Apparently, this came out like 10 minutes ago. I just noticed it now in the midst of reading these social media replies. They only went up $5 million for the bonus pool. This is just, I, I don't know how this could possibly be seen as negotiating in good faith or what Manfred said the other day, which of course everything out of that man's mouth is complete and utter horse crap. Can't even be taken slightly seriously, but really a good proposal. Are you freaking kidding me? These are either slight budges, like ever so slightly, or just none at all. (laughs) And this is without even getting into other information, like service time, minimum salary. I, I, uh, my goodness gracious me. (laughs) Let me try to go to Jeff Passan's Twitter, see if he tweeted anything. Maybe he has more info, but that's what Evan said. (sighs) Okay. And listen, I wasn't expecting a deal today. Like I even said earlier, I really doubted, and when I say really doubt, basically 100% did not expect a deal today. But I was just looking for maybe a step in the right direction, or maybe a little bit of movement, maybe some more compromising on the owner's end, because especially with certain things like minimum salary and arbitration, service time, I mean, maybe in some cases the players can move a tiny bit as well, but really the owners are just being outrageously just unreasonable, and they're negotiating in the worst kind of faith. Uh, It's just unbelievable. I never expected a deal today, but I expected some progress, some signs that we are on a better path with everything so close. And in my opinion, I think I I already thought that it was a really good chance that spring training gets delayed. But especially now with these first couple of pieces, these fresh pieces of information coming out of this meeting as of right now, I think it's completely inevitable that spring training gets delayed at this point. It is going to be delayed because if they also keep up with their typical lack of urgency crap that they have, then we might not even get another meeting for another week. And by then, it's going to be like the 19th or the 20th. Unless they, like, shock me and just decide to meet on, like, Wednesday or something. On, like, the 16th. But even then, the date for 
when pitchers and catchers will have had to have reported by now, if there wasn't a lockout, will have passed already. And spring training is going to be delayed because they do need to prepare for the exhibition games. I already know that they're not going to be using the substitute players like they usually do in spring training this year. Just going to get right into it and fine. But you still need time to get ready. I didn't expect the deal today, but I was looking for progress. And as of these new pieces of information right now, it doesn't look like there's any. I can't say I'm surprised, but inevitably, like all of you out there, as a fan, we all get screwed the most. Like I always say, want to keep emphasizing that because it is the truth. But so far, I assume more numbers will come out after I'm done recording or whatever. But those are some fresh numbers out from the time that I'm seeing it right now, fresh off the presses here on Twitter. And this is just, a, I, I don't even, great job. Great job, everybody. Great job. Awesome job. You idiots. Selfish morons. Good proposal. Get the hell out of here. It's like I said. It's like I said. Because of those at the top, which, you know, you want to put blame wherever you want. Both sides deserve at least a little bit, but I don't care how you feel. I mean, if you just deny at this point that the owners are mostly to blame, then you're just living in fantasy land because you're just wrong. I don't know what else to tell you. But because of those at the top, baseball is its own worst enemy. Major League Baseball is its own worst enemy. The sport brings in the profits that they do from all kinds of things. Tickets, concessions, uh, TV deals, just everything. Everything that you could imagine. If I run down the list on all of the things that Major League Baseball brings in profit on, I could do a whole episode on it. And we've already spoken about it in the past. I know all of it. Or at least a decent amount. There's probably even some other things I don't know about. But all of the things that they get the profit and how much money is in this sport and and the the greed, the cheapness, the, the unwillingness to compromise anywhere. Or how about not willing to take care of their own kind like the kids or even the group of 600 I spoke to you about a couple of weeks ago. It's like they don't go out of their way for anybody. Just nobody cares. Nobody cares. And who loses the most in the end? If if regular season time is missed, then everybody loses at least a little bit. But who gets screwed the hardest? It's the fans. It's me and you who's listening to this show. That's who it is. That's who it is. And do they care, the higher-ups? No, they don't care. They don't care. I see a couple more pieces of info right now. So for, so for the minimum salary, Major League Baseball made two proposals, one for a flat amount of 630000 and teams could pay more if they wish. Uh, didn't the players' union want, like, didn't they want, like, seven seventy five? So it's still over a hundred grand apart. <laughs> this is it, guys. Uh, wh- wh- what do you want from me? That's it. God only knows when we're going to get this damn sport back. And it's all over money. It's nothing else. It's not COVID like in 2020. It's not, you know, it's nothing. It's just money. I'm at a loss. I have no idea what the hell to even say anymore. I really, I really don't. 
it's going to be nothing I haven't said a million times already, and quite frankly, I'm really tired of repeating myself. And I'm probably going to have another update for you next week anyway, where I just continue to bitch and moan about the same thing, just like we all are, because we're all just fans who want the damn sport back at the end of the day. That's all we care about. Keep on saying that. I have nothing else left to say. I, I I don't have anything else left to say. Let me get back to some other replies. We'll finish up because I see we're around an hour in now. I don't want to go for an hour and ten today. It was supposed to be a shorter episode, but thanks to, of course, some more crap from these crap negotiations, things happen. Let's uh, let's just read a couple more here on Twitter, and then I will, then I'll move on to Instagram and do a couple over there, and then we'll end for today. Let's try to bring the mood back up before. We end today. I want to end. I don't want to end on a bummed out mood. That's the last thing I want. I'm not going to let these money hungry losers ruin my day anymore. Let's see. Second to last one here on Twitter. At Brooks Scorb says, "Exit Sandman." When Derek and Andy walked out to take the ball from Mo for the final time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we heard that from somebody else too. Yeah, just an iconic moment. Um. At Julian Gillardi one, my friend Julian says, "I'll go with the wild card game when DD hit the home run." Oh hell yeah! Against the Twins, absolutely. That was an iconic moment for sure. Loved that. Loved it. Uh, you know, let's do one more. Let's see. Who am I gonna finish off on? Who gets to have the honor of being the final Twitter reading? Let's see. Let's go to Zalman eight eight eight, and they say Jim Abbott's no hitter. No, that's an awesome one. That's awesome. I love that one. Yeah, Jim Abbott, of course, born without a right hand and just went out there and pitched a no-hitter nonetheless in 1993. That was just, yeah, absolutely incredible day. Great day in Yankees history and a great memory to call back on for sure. All right, so that's all for Twitter. Like I said before, an ungodly amount of you that I did not get to, so I'm sorry about that, but there was just an overwhelming amount. It was a good amount all the time, but this was just on, like I said, next level this week. So thank you to all of you who interacted. Incredible this week. It's such a fun discussion, and I always look forward to doing social media segments like this every once in a blue moon because I know everybody loves to look back on the past and have these fun discussions and remember great moments, great iconic moments throughout our lives that the Yankees gave us to look back upon with great joy. It's just an awesome discussion to have. It makes you feel good just looking back on the past and letting those memories come back up to the surface and make you feel really happy. Let's go over to Instagram, read a couple over on there. Same question, of course. Looking back, what is your personal favorite Yankees memory that you witnessed? First up here on Instagram, we have my friend Laura Eismont. And she says, Stanton's walk-off home run in 2018 against the Mariners. My friend and I went to the game last minute and sat in the bleachers between left and center field. While the game got off to a bad start, it was awesome to see the Yankees come back and witness Stanton get one of his pinstripe moments. The crowd was electric and it felt like a playoff game. Best last minute decision ever. That's awesome. That That's great. Like, so many of the replies have said, oh, I just happened to go to this game on this day, or I got last-minute tickets to this thing and just decided, oh, what the hell, and then you witness something awesome. That's just so cool. <laughs> There's, like, really almost no greater joy than that, to be honest. It's just awesome. And now the final two, as usual. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic says, honestly, not just one, 
just the whole 2009 season as a whole. Obviously winning the World Series being the biggest one, but also so much happened that year. The intensity of the Subway Series, including when Mariano Rivera recorded his 500 save against him that year, Jeter passing Gehrig in all-time Yankee hits. So even though it's not specifically one, I would have to say the 2009 season as a whole was just one great big memory all put together. Of course, all capped off by winning the World Series. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're absolutely right. In that season, they won the World Series. Jeter made history with Gehrig's hits, yeah. And Mariano recorded his 500 save at Citi Field, yeah. Absolutely. 2009 as a whole could be just... It's a compilation of great memories, so... Yeah, I don't blame you for feeling that way, Vic. Not one memory maybe throughout that year, but the whole year as a whole? Just had a lot. Just a bunch of things to reflect on, for sure. I hear that. And as always, last but certainly not least, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, Mine is watching them win the World Series in 2009, and the whole season leading up to it. I especially thought that Matsui was unreal. I also love sitting in the stands so many times at Yankee Stadium, waiting and knowing each player and order of them coming out. Jeter, A-Rod, Pettit, Posada, Teixeira, CeCe, oh my god, I just miss those teams. That action, that drive, the winning. Well, yeah, you know, I'm certainly going to agree with that. <laughs> Matsui was a big hero of mine that year, 2009, just the fond memories like I've said. I, I hear you, Mom, I do. Fantastic memories to call back on. So, my friends, that does it for the social media segment. Once more, thank you all so much for the incredible interaction this week. Oh, my God, it was just great. Great discussion, just like I knew it would be. I was excited to do this. I had this plan from, like, the beginning of the week. I was like, you know what? Next week, I'm going to do a stroll down memory lane-themed episode, and it's going to be fun as hell. And you know what? It was fun as hell. So, I'm glad we did this. I, have, I had a great time reading through memories and sharing my own that I hold nearest and dearest to me. It's just awesome to look back upon every once in a while. Everybody needs to stroll down memory lane for positive memories every, every once in a blue moon. We could all use it, especially with the way the world is right now. But that is all for the social media segment. And that is all for this week's episode, episode 128 of Yapping Yankees, guys. Wasn't a shorter episode like I wanted, but it definitely was. Usually every episode's fun. I have a blast doing all of it, and your feedback makes it all the better because it's always great, thankfully. But still an even funner episode, I would say. I just love softer episodes like this, and I'm happy with it, and I hope you guys are too. And we had a good show despite all of the negative news as well with the CBA and the lack of negotiating... I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Chances are we'll be talking about it plenty more next week, unfortunately. And seemingly, it seems like for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yes, I know, there'll be a deal done eventually, but just God knows when and how much longer we're going to have to talk about this exhausting damn subject. But in any event, did not get in the way of the show, and I'm happy about that. Did my ranting, express my opinions like I have to, but... <laughs> That's about where it ends. But guys, just a couple of the usual things before I bid you farewell for today. Please remember to follow me again on all social medias. Do not forget Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY, Twitter at Mike Scudero, and Instagram Mike Scuds 97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees everywhere on all four platforms it's available on YouTube, 
Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening on there. And if you're listening on any of the others, be sure to leave a review. Would really, really appreciate it. And if you had the time, be sure to also listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 128 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero. And I will talk to you next Sunday, February 20th, when I come at you with episode 129 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones. And despite the negative feelings, obviously, with the CBA, just let's continue to pray that something gets done. (laughs) I don't know, I'm all tapped out with this, guys. I'm just so tired by it. But... We just got to keep telling ourselves something's got to give eventually. (laughs) So let's see what happens between now and next week, if anything at all. But until then, be sure to enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.